Hey, potential podcast listeners, let's talk about today's sponsor, Let's Get Checked. Let's Get Checked makes professional health testing easy by letting you get tested without having to visit a healthcare provider. You can order a testing kit that will be delivered to you in discreet packaging. Once your sample arrives in the laboratory, confidential results will be available from your secure online account within two to five days. These results are reviewed by a clinician, and a member of the Let's Get Checked nursing team may call you to review your results. And Let's Get Checked laboratories are CLIA approved and CAP accredited, which are the highest ranking levels of accreditation. So, if you want to avoid an uncomfortable office visit or prefer the convenience and get tested at home, visit trylgc.com potential and get 25% off your test using code POTENTIAL25. Once again, that's 25% off your test by going to trylgc.com potential using the promo code POTENTIAL25. Take charge of your physical health and well-being, and let's get checked. This episode is a sponsored partnership by Keen. So, you finally decided that you want to seek psychic advice, but now you're just sitting there and you're asking yourself, why Keen? Shouldn't I just look into psychics near me? It would probably be a lot easier. Our response? Why would you? Keen connects you with talented tarot readers and astrologers. If you want to get a reading on Keen, it's super easy to start. They've been giving trustworthy readings since 1999, over 35 million to be exact. All you have to do is create an account, and you'll be able to choose from hundreds of readers who are online right now. These readers each have unique specialties designed to provide a deeper understanding of your situation. Want to learn more about your love life? What's your financial future look like? Are you looking for a closure from a deceased loved one? Keen has a reader ready to provide clarity and insight. You can choose whichever reader best suits your needs, and you'll be able to connect via phone call or text. Just go to trykeen.com potential. As a new customer on Keen, you can try your first 10 minutes for only $1.99, which is up to $99 in savings. Once again, that's trykeen.com potential. Get your first 10 minutes for $1.99. And remember, know your potential. Talking all things entertainment, pop culture, and nerdum. this is The Potential Podcast. Welcome back to the Potential Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Dewar, and I'm joined by my co-host, Taylor Sokol. Well, Taylor, can you believe it? We're already at the end of July. We're moving into August next week. I mean, it feels like the summer has gone by pretty quickly already. It really has. Slow down, please. I mean, I feel like like last year, it kind of, it was slow but fast. But now, like, you know, things... uh, You know, we're, we're doing our thing and things are going quickly. And look at us, man. We have, we've been... Made a quite of accomplishments beyond this podcast. I'm mean, looking at you. You're me, working yeah. two jobs. Me, I'm working my job and <laughs> doing this summer shred thing, which I'll never do again. Uh, you know, I'm I'm looking at cheeseburgers and wanting to jump out of a moving vehicle. That's called a craving. So uh, you know, <laughs> but I had to do that. 
But uh, jumping out. The like, Shredder. Yeah, the I know. Yeah. Shredder. Just wait till the end and you'll see. I'm doing yeah. the Chris Pratt transformation. That's what's going to happen. So, like, look at that. Oh, look at God. that boy. Even in Tomorrow War, they had to have a shirtless scene just I know, to one, show off. You in know, his contract, like one scene. <laughs> But that's but, just uh, that's just yeah. goes to show you, folks. You can you can one day look like Andy in Parks and Rec, and the next day you could look like Star Lord. Of course, it helps when you have, um, you know, a very wealthy company backing your diet and your gym life. It's like, oh, Natty, not everyone has a personal trainer. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, I think something Taylor that you and I can uh, agree on. Something that maybe hinders your uh, your health in some ways. I mean, it's not to the point where I think it all hinders your mental health, but maybe, you know, sitting at a desk or on a couch for a long time playing video games. Of course, you know, people that really are in top notch, uh, you know, health and, uh, and, and shape. I mean, they're not doing that stuff all day, every day. And I'm sure no, some no, of no. them like to play games and stuff, but. You know, something that you and I both uh, do enjoy from time to time is, of course, video games or binging a show. And sometimes that relaxing couch life can lead to snacks, can lead to other things and, uh, you know, maybe alcohol. And you're just kind of finding out that, oh, I did all that work last week and I've gained it all back in what feels like a day. You know, sometimes it just happens. But you know what? You also got to enjoy life. You got to relax. You got to enjoy those moments, enjoy what you have. And something I think that we enjoy is video games. We talk about video games pretty often here on the podcast. But something that you and I, I don't think we have really had a lot of in the last really 15, 20 years yeah. is PC games or games you play on the computer. For those who don't know what a PC is. Yeah. Um, you know, or a Mac. Not politically or correct. It's not politically correct yeah. games. It's uh, not political computer. correct games. That's the new era now with uh, everything. But we thought it'd be fun today to kind of go back and look at games that we used to really enjoy playing on the PC. Now, you know, we're really into consoles. We've been probably more console uh, conscious, if you will, uh, yeah. since our young days. So, you know, there's reasons why I don't really play games on the computer anymore. Yeah, I think I think our origins, though, like, I don't know, speak for speak for myself here. I think the first like games that really got into were on the PC. Cause I think again, computers came before a lot of the, you know, home consoles. So I think it was almost natural that that was our first introduction into video games uh, with the exception of arcades. So, but yeah, this is a topic we've never really jumped into. And it was kind of fun to, when we, we mentioned the other day, Hey, let's talk about like the PC games that kind of, you know, we grew up on and kind of inspired us. And I didn't really go back into the memory bank on this one. I tell you. Yeah, it was a lot of research. I'll tell you, folks, uh, I, there was actually a couple of games. I had, to, I had to dial up my, I had to dial my modem up here. I had to like, you know, I was googling like a mad, a mad person trying to figure out like, wait, what was the name of that game? Yeah, and trying to describe it and be like, maybe it'll mm-hmm. pop up, maybe it won't. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I also agree with you in that you know when we when you go to school, at least here like in the states for the most part, when you're in school, um, especially when you're young, like in those first couple of years, I'd say maybe second grade, third grade, fourth grade. There's a lot of educational games that actually were a part of school. You know, I remember playing some games where you'd you'd have like you know a couple you know math thirty blaster, minutes. Math blaster, anyone? <laughs> yeah, math blasters, the zumbinis. Um, you know, there's all kinds of weird games like that where it was a game. Click, you know, click it was disguised. Or... It was disguised as ho- it was homework disguised as. So a of game. course you're thinking, oh, it's fun because it's a game, but it's actually educational, which a lot of kids now even use. You know, there's those leapfrog pads, and there's a lot of things where. Even just on an iPad or an iPhone, kids can play a game, but it's teaching them something. It's educating them. So I think that was something that you do 
kind of naturally get into. And then, of course, there are certain games that were just only on PC. And, you know, that was kind of the, the thing until you start to branch out to consoles. So we're not doing a top 10 list. This is not a ranking. No. We just picked 10 games that we remember from our youth that we really enjoyed playing on the computer. So, Taylor, start us off with your first game. Sure. Well, we, we may have some of these games. This is going to be interesting. They but... might be similar. We don't know. We'll see. Well, I got to go with the first game. We talk about school. This is the first game I ever played because it was in school during that little free period where, like, oh, you know, just, you know, hop on here was, of course, Oregon Trail. Uh, again, this was one of the one of the first uh, games that uh, you know really would inspire legions of adventure RPG games for me. I just just the thing about it was it not only was educational but it was survival. You know, I every every time I played it, the same ending would never happen. Would you get everyone uh, from one side of the country to the other? Would you make it there? Um, who was going to happen? And I like the fact that you had to you had to use your money wisely. You know, you also had to hunt with like a little click and like you had to shoot buffalo and bison. Your meat gets spoiled. <laughs> I always had like someone get dysentery and die. I was going to say, hey, no matter what, you've probably never heard the word dysentery until you played exactly. Oregon Trail. <laughs> Learned about or, or maybe that... or tuberculosis. That that seems to be like you'd be like, you know, eight learning that word. Uh, never learn anything you would learn in school because you don't need to know that word. Um, and be like, oh yeah, uh, dysentery, uh, things you only pick up on Oregon Trail. But yeah, you think of uh, games today, uh, you know, like one that's really popular, you know, like Sellers of Catan or like, you know, um, there's a lot of games that have similar traits where it's not really, it's not an action game. You're not like going off and fighting people, but you are choosing the course, you're choosing the resources, you're choosing the path. I mean, even look at games like Red Dead Redemption 2. You know, although a lot of that is a shoot 'em up and has a lot, there's so many elements that just relate to kind of an advanced version of Oregon Trail survival. Well, well the next one they need to make is uh, Lewis and Clark Expedition. That's what we need to do. Can you imagine that as a 3D oh, platformer? That'd be oh cool. my gosh, yeah. that'd be epic. But yeah, that was that was always always my memory. I remember playing that, and I, I beat it a couple times. Remember when you're at school though, you didn't have all the time to do it, and you'd always name your characters of uh, people you didn't like because if they died, you wouldn't feel so bad. <laughs> Well, okay, if I'm going to start off here, I guess I'm going to start off with one that I always enjoyed playing. I, I'd played multiple sequels along the way. Um, I haven't done this in a long time, but I know some of this has now transferred to the Switch and uh, the other consoles, but got to bring up Roller Coaster Tycoon. Oh, nice. Roller Coaster Tycoon, this series, um, you know, obviously based off, uh, I think the same company that The Sims uh, developed this, um, where, you know, you get to build create and run your your own theme park it's something that i think as a kid that we always dream of i mean we love going to theme parks still do to this day uh i love roller coasters i love and being entertained i love all the different type of rides the food the atmosphere uh sometimes just the way parks look can be gorgeous especially you know how disney universal does a lot of that um everything is picked uh for a purpose and a reason so this idea that you could you know take a of, of you know part of land and you literally start to build like a gate and you get to create and build roller coasters test them uh all different stuff and then to see like actually having guests go through the park um seeing how they interact and how it can raise money or lower money what you have to fix all the stuff i thought it was a very it's a very creative fun game 
series that gets to let you have a lot of imagination and a lot of uh, creativity, but at the same time, a little bit educational of like how to run a business, uh, you know, uh, how much you make, how that affects what you have to pay out, fixing things, um, you know, running costs, all that kind of stuff. All that was in this game. Was it just me or early PC games? They were all about educating, but it wasn't really about the thrill. You know, they were all disguised. You know what they were doing? They're trying to create uh, business, business uh, men and everything yeah. like that. They were, they were, they were, they were teaching the future uh, generations how to properly continue the business model. But I always loved that game, and of course, you know, being somewhat of a little naughty kid here and there, I always did enjoy sometimes too, where you would. You'd build a roller coaster and you would purposely build it where there'd be a ramp that wasn't finished just to watch, um, Four people. you know, one of the trains go off and just explode and be like 12 people died. And then, you know, the park would be shut down and you just delete it anyway and do another one. Sometimes it would be kind of funny to, to try those out just because you could actually do that on the on the um, on on those. And, and, they've you know, they've expanded to much grander with better graphics and stuff, but I think probably I played the original the most of all the variations. So had to give it a shout out to Roller Coaster Tycoon. Well, um, you know, talking about series, but this, you know, hadn't created, I guess, games any year later, but this was kind of the height of the popularity of one of my favorite shows, animated shows growing up, was, of course, that of the Magic School Bus. And they had the Magic School Bus series of games. Now, uh, this is a kind of a click-and-point kind of adventure where you have to do, like, a lot of different stuff. But they had a series of games of Magic School Bus where you could basically, you know, follow along the different, like, storylines. You go Magic School Bus inside the human body, uh, you know, going uh, back in time to see dinosaurs. It was so much fun because, first of all, when you had to, you had to create, like, a character or, like, a face... And you could do, this is kind of the precursor to creating your own avatar, so to speak. And it was just kind of funny because the noises when you make like the, the weirdest looking faces, and all these like doing these nutty things. And then when you get to control the bus and like do different stuff. I'll tell you though, this game, these game series did frustrate me to the nth degree because of one game in particular. Uh, a little shout out though to my grandfather was one who kind of really was the one who fueled my PC game obsession. But I remember one of the games, it was the human body one, was the only game that never worked. I don't know why. Every time I tried to install it, crashed the computer, had to start over again. So, Oh man. Yeah, that, that game I, I never got to play. But all the other ones were a lot of fun. It, just the humor was great. And again, talking about education... Just so many good memories out of that one, for sure. Nice. Yeah, I, I definitely remember playing that one, and it was uh, very fun. Well, a game that I think uh, we've all played in some iteration is Frogger. And I remember my grandpa having this Frogger version that came out in 1997 that was 3D in style. So it wasn't the typical 2D just, you know, going across. It really expanded uh, the idea of Frogger. So it was... Um, all 3D, uh, there was multiple maps. It wasn't just the typical going across the road. There was all kinds of things you could do. Uh, there was worlds with like lava. Some would be, uh, you had to cross water. So you were going on logs and stuff, um, sand pits. I mean, all this kind of stuff. And you had different colors, uh, not just the typical green. And of course there would be power-ups and you had to pass things like bees, snakes, dogs, uh, even cactus. And it was also multiplayer. And I just remember I would play this all the time and I would, you know, get so addicted with it. And it was just so fun because it really, it popped more. Um, you know, I, I'm sure I'd, I'd played Frogger maybe in an arcade before, uh, the classic version, but this really like took it and made it much more expanded. 
and I've always wished that they had kind of continued that. Um, you know, it's kind of it seems like a outdated game now, Frogger. Unfortunately, although you and I, of course, just recently talked about it on our Seinfeld episode. Um, <laughs> check that out if you haven't. Uh, we would like to promote our other episodes, mid episodes, yeah, we, how we run this promotion kind of group. <laughs> yeah, but um, I used to, I used to always love playing that game, and it, I thought it was a good challenge. And another one where it is, you know, it's a fun uh, strategy game where you're trying to, you know, get to, uh, you know, the end of a level and there's all this stuff going on. And and I love, I always love games where like, it's not just a straightforward motion. Sometimes you have to go all the way back to find a better path and how that would all work out. So I had to mention Frogger. Well, well, yeah. And and you think about games though, there wasn't many games like that, that you could go back. Like, no, you had to keep going forward. Um, What another kind of series of games they had all these different talk about different iterations i'm kind of bouncing back off of what you're saying but this series of games not necessarily in terms of a franchise but there's always iterations of the bowling games and i remember one in particular was a lot of fun it was uh, elf bowling uh the elf bowling was was a lot of fun because basically um your your bowling and your your pins are like live elves so a little <laughs> and uh every time you hit them they would be battered and bruised or one guy lost a head and <laughs> it was just very goofy and a little graphic but like the elves would like uh is that all the balls you got santa like santa was the bowler and they would like taunt santa and stuff like that when he's bad i just remember we had that my mom my dad and i we play that and just laugh like just like every time you messed up that air ball, like the little elves would like make fun of you. And it was like, you know, it was like nuts, but they had different iterations of that. Like elf bowling. There was polar bowler. Um, I remember we had one with Shrek bowling. Oh, I remember polar bowler. Yeah. I remember sure. they're like in the inner tubes and it would yes. be like, it was like slingshots basically, but the Shrek one was very similar to that. And every time you got a, a strike, you go Shrek. It was like a, a, with a Shrek, but uh, you know, but uh, <laughs> the really bad Scottish voice actor who they couldn't get Mike Myers, like go on, don't get Shrek. But uh, yeah, I always love those bowling or even like the pinball. It was kind of their like kind of spin off like the pinball games, but the bowlings were always my favorite. Oh, I remember one. I think it might have been Polar Bowler too, or it was like, um, like Penguin Bowler or something. Yeah, yeah it would yeah. be like I, I like inner tubes and like, and it also be kind of like you have to hit at the farthest distance. It, it wasn't just bowling. Sometimes it'd be like like a baseball or like golf. And you'd have hockey. to get power ups. It was it was definitely yeah, for sure. Uh, all those fun games. I used to go to um, a little like rec center near my parents' house. You know, in like middle school, and you go play that for hours. Yeah, um, <laughs> this is all bringing me back, folks. Bringing me back 20 years ago. Um, well, next one for me, I'm going to talk about Disney's Villains Revenge. So um, I remember having this game uh, from Disney Interactive, and it was a point-and-click game. It was um, a game where it was based on the four villains, Captain Hook, the Evil Queen, Queen of Hearts, and the Ringmaster from Dumbo. And essentially, the plot was they had stolen like the happy endings from our four kind of main hero characters. So you were going through to solve puzzles or play games or even literally kind of fight some of these characters along with Jiminy Cricket to bring up uh, about the happy ending again and defeat the villain. And it was fun because I remember like the evil queen would have like a whole, like you kind of got snuck into her castle and you had to figure out, how to like change the potion back so that it wasn't like poison cool and then like the queen of hearts it was you know you had to get yourself through the hedge maze and captain hook you actually had to uh sword fight him and it was one of those you know you know like some sword fighting games 
Um, I, I know this happened too with um, Darth Vader when you played um, some of the Star Wars arcade games and also just recently playing your VR game when I saw you last. Um, <laughs> Which I still have the video of you doing it. We need to, we oh, need to post that sometime. We need to post it. I, let's just say I was, uh, I was, uh, wow, I was bad. <laughs> But, um, you know, I love those kind of games where, like, you kind of get to know which way the character is going to strike. So you have to block and parry that way before you can attack. And I can't remember exactly what the Dumbo one was. It might have been something about, um, you know, the whole bit of Dumbo has to jump off the diving board into the thing of water. It had probably something to do with that. But it was the fun, like, uh, educational yet entertaining game with some fun mini games in it. And I, I just remember enjoying that game a lot. Uh, so Disney's Villains Revenge. Well, I actually got to, you know, speaking of Disney, I got a couple uh, from Disney as well. Disney Interactive Studios, they, they were like killing the, the PC game world. Uh, but they, they, they started porting into Nintendo before it came there. I got this one. R2, I think this would be a great costume idea one day. But our two favorite characters, obviously, if we had to pick our favorite characters from the series, it would be, of course, from Lion King, Timon and Pumbaa. And that was Timon and Pumbaa's Jungle Games. Uh, this was a great this was a great game because it was like one of the first party video games. You think of like games like what we have today, Mario Party, where it was kind of like just jump in and there's like random arcade games. So it was not like a main plot. It was just kind of like Timon and Pumbaa created this basically paradise where you had all these different games. They had like their own version of Frogger. Um, they had like a pinball game. Um, there was one that was called Burper where you had to like squeeze uh, Pumbaa and he like burp at bugs and stuff and like take them oh out. Oh gosh. Um, so, like, so all this stuff, but the, the humor was there and I just liked that it was just basically you had to compete for your high score. And I, I remember playing hours of that. And by the way, all these games here, as I didn't have the computer for, for years, it was at my grandparents' house. So of course, same. keep it same. at our house so that the grandkids want to come over. <laughs> so that was, we know what they were up to, but it was so much fun because I mean, I love these characters and this came out like right in the same year when Lion King uh, came out. So it was like, this is definitely, or maybe a year after, but I just love that game. I still, I still remember all the humor and stuff. And actually Ernie Sabella, uh, who voiced uh, uh, Pumbaa. Pumbaa. I uh, did uh, voice in the character. They didn't give me anything, okay. but uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was one of my one of my one of my faves. Yeah, same, very same uh, situation for for me. We did eventually get a computer at my house, but uh, the main area I'd go to play computer games was at my grandparents' house on their computer. Um, so, of course, another thing that connects us to this day. Yeah. Um, well, I, I I had a hard time finding the exact which one. I had, but I remember really enjoying this game, and I've actually been surprised I haven't checked out uh, other iterations of it nowadays because I'm sure it'd be a lot more thorough and uh, better graphics. But we had some kind of combat flight simulator game. I can't remember which one it was, but I remember it was, it was definitely one where you would, you know, you'd have certain uh, jets or you know uh, army planes and stuff like that, and your goal was to go find uh enemy fighter pilots and take them down or you'd see like you'd be going over like a desert terrain or a mountain terrain and you would see down the floor like a uh, uh a convoy of you know a couple trucks and maybe you know uh, carrier tanks and it was your goal to try to take them out and it was you know fun to see the um kind of how you would you know pilot this plane and you could do it where you could have it like you could have third person, you could have it like literally first person, or, you know, there was different ways you could see um, your view and just like seeing the map. And like, there was obviously modes where it was single player or you could play against a computer or 
I think you could do multiplayer. I just remember having a really good time with that. And it was the fun to, you know, use the tactical strength of like, okay, how am I going to take down these enemies? And you'd see like on your little map, you know, little red dots, like, okay, these are the ones I have to take out and going forward and, and using either just your straight uh, bullets or you'd have rockets or bombs and stuff like that. So it was kind of fun to like, um, to, it, it felt a little more realistic in terms of like a game like that. Uh, not something with uh, fantasy elements, which I'll get to in a little bit. But um, yeah, some kind of combat flight spider, but I could not remember. I was Googling forever trying to find the cover. All I remember on the cover was there was a plane and it was painted with like the shark teeth. You know, okay, like some yeah. planes would do that. Yeah, you know, it was something like that. But so some kind of combat flight simulator title pending via my memory. Uh, well, you know, kind of a, again, so, so interesting. Um, I had a huge hankering uh, for Star Wars because Star Wars got um, re-released in the theaters and they started having a flood of these PC games. And uh, one of my favorite games, I have two of them on my list from Star Wars. One of them was Star Wars Yoda Stories. It sounds like a really bad, cheesy kids show, uh, Disney Plus. Urgh. But I know. Uh, but basically, this was like an adventure game, and it was um, where you control like a little Luke, and it was between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. It was one of the first of its kind where it was like, you know, in between stories, and basically you'd have these objectives every time you'd fly to. Dagobah and he'd give you a mission you had to go off there but it was like doing little tasks but it was so simple like because you'd have to like you could still like use your lightsaber you could use um, uh, grenades you know little things like that and you could take out stormtroopers and there was I think moments where you had to face off against Darth Vader um, which wasn't canon but um, you know it was really really fun like just the challenge and, and stuff like that and the fact is like oh man I'm playing these little Yoda stories it was like such a a great pick up and quickly play kind of game. So I was really like a lot of fun with that. Uh, but yeah, Yoda stories. I, I, I almost found a port of it. Like I was able to get a, almost a version of it for my Mac. Didn't, didn't work, but I was, I was hoping uh pirated version. Don't tell anyone, but uh, yeah, I would love, I would love, uh, they actually made it for the game boy. I would love to find this uh, game. I will find it. I will find this game. Um, well, going off of Star Wars, uh, one that I have that kind of similar to what I just talked about with Flight Simulator was I remember loving the game Star Wars Rogue Squadron uh, by LucasArts that um, was very similar to, you know, it was a flight simulator type game and it was all combat. So you were um, you were playing as Luke uh, with this group of the Rogue Squadron and it was you going on these different missions to take down. Uh, of course, the Empire, and it was all, you know, if I remember right, you could choose different, um, you know, you could choose different uh, X-Wing or Y-Wing or something based on what mission it was. It wasn't like every mission had that available, but I remember you would like, you know, it was a whole thing of Moss Eisley, and you had to take down uh, TIE fighters, and then you go to uh, and probe droids. You go to Hoff, and, you know, you actually do the whole, uh, you know, the harpoon thing to, to take down the, the legs and make the ATA. Oh, I hated down. that part. Uh, it would take, well, it would take so long to do because you have to do three loops and usually you'd crash or something before you get the third one. It was, it was so tough. It was a tough game. Um, but I, 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 you know, for the, the time, uh, with the graphics and the visuals, it was pretty impressive for the time. Of course, now we have a new Rogue Squadron that came out with new consoles and, you know, a lot of things look way better now. But I remember like you'd be going through ravines and taking down satellites or droids or AT-ATs, um, ATSTs, uh, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I just remember it was a fun game. Uh, had some cool 
the music. It had the whole Star Wars element to it. And it was just like, I think I love that kind of game where, you know, we're so used to wanting to play games where you get to have the lightsaber and go off and attack people. And we've, we've had games that have definitely done that for, for the, the space fighting itself. Uh, this was a fun game where it was, you know, all mostly stuff from the old trilogy. Uh, I just, it was a fun game. I really enjoyed that one. Well, you know, just keeping it as my second Star Wars choice, we're going to keep in that realm for just a bit. Uh, when I got some of these games, they were bought in these packs. It was basically like a tray in a cardboard box. Pull it out, and there were six games. And you buy that today, it would cost you probably like $200. But it was all these different games. And because uh, my, again, my grandfather feeding my obsession with, with video games. And there's one called, it was one of the first of like my 3D platformer days was oh, actually kind of a first person shooter, excuse me, was that of Star Wars Dark Forces. And this is all part of a series of the Jedi Knight series where you played kind of an original character. And um, you play this guy called Kyle Katarn or Kyle Katarn. And settlers to Catan. And uh, so he's basically like this little um, mercenary and he works for the Rebel Alliance and he's, you know, trying to uh, take out the Empire. And, and th this was kind of cool because this game, like, it was, again, very similar in style, like Doom and all those games uh, that would, you know, around that time. So it was kind of like, you know, you got the mouse and I'm having to, like, do multiple things. I mean, now with a controller, it's so much easier, but you're, like, stressing out, I can't fight him. And, you know, you'd have to shoot and take out the stormtroopers. And I remember it was cool because the, the storyline, they were, um, the, the Empire was creating this dark trooper program. I was like, ooh. So that was kind of like, I know, right? So it was kind of uh, a precursor. I think about years later, it was would have been so the, the timeline timeline of Mandalorian so that was a lot of fun and uh, I just remember that was you would get the Star Wars multi-pack and then they would come on with Dark Forces 2 where you could actually wield a lightsaber which was that was kind of cool so but yeah Star Wars Dark Forces like one of the first like kind of adventure Star Wars games that really really took me by surprise yeah I just want all these I wish all these games were just available on like new stuff I mean I know some have uh, moved on to things like Steam and other streaming video game websites, or you can find ports of them. Uh, people have made them available on certain websites, uh, but yeah, it all sounds so fun. Well, you know what, Taylor, let's take a quick break and we'll get back to more of our PC games we like and why we have kind of moved on to the generation of consoles. Mm. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. Mm. What are you doing? What? Are you eating during this podcast? Yeah, so? Is there a problem with that? So? Good God, man. Your munching is distracting. Hey, I can't help it. It's this new seasoning I got. It's so delicious. Seasoning, you say? Yeah, from the Steel City Salt Company. Did you make that up? No way. It's the store to go for all your seasoned, salted, and spice needs. Since 2011, it's been bringing a new era of exciting flavor to the city of Pittsburgh and the surrounding regions. From their popular flavors like garlic herb, dill pickle sea salt, and black and gold. Sounds great, but I don't live in Pittsburgh. That's not a problem. They actually ship nation and worldwide. Wow, that's awesome. So go to their website at steelcitysalt.com and order now. Free shipping on orders $39 or more. And let's spice up your life. Hey, Chris. Do you ever feel you want to change your lifestyle? Mm, not really. I'm fine with my current wardrobe, thanks, though. 
I'm not talking about changing your brand names or joining a cult. I'm talking about Ace Lifestyle. <sighs> What's that? Change our hairstyles, help animals out, and say, Alrighty then. No, not Ace Ventura. I'm talking about Ace Lifestyle. It stands for Accountability, Consistency, and Enjoyment. It is the best way to feel better, think better, and enjoy your life. If you want to better your health goals, then this is the way. Okay, Mando. What is this, some sort of new fad diet? No way, not at all. No quick fixes, no tricks, and it's made for whatever you want to get out of the program. Just like the title says, it's a lifestyle. It's your chance to take charge of your health. Interesting. Please go on. It is designed for whatever you want. Do you want to lose weight? Do you want to gain more muscle? Or do you just want to feel better, mentally and physically? That is what Ace Lifestyle is all about. Well, that seems like a lot to take on myself. You are not alone. When you sign up for this program, you get dedicated professionals who are just as passionate to help you reach your goals. And you're not alone because you're joined by a group of other like-minded individuals who have their own health goals in mind every month. How would one find out more? You can find out more and get started by reaching out through their Instagram at the Ace Lifestyle Co. That's at the Ace Lifestyle CO. Wow. You seem to know a lot about this, Taylor. Well, Chris, I'm not just an expert of Ace Lifestyle. I'm also a member. You certainly look slimmer and more annoyingly energetic than usual. Well, thank you, Chris. It's all thanks to Ace Lifestyle. It's now time for you to take back your health. So go for it and change your life for the better. Well, we're back. We're here talking about PC games from our past games we used to play on the computer. Again, uh, for those listening, Taylor and I don't really play games on the computer anymore. Uh, we're more heavy into the console uh, version of playing games. But and, and sometimes, we, our... we have, sometimes we have no time to play those these days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Getting older. It's tough, guys. It's tough to get those gaming hours in. But I'm going to continue on here with a game I actually really do remember playing on the computer and enjoying it. I remember playing the original on, I believe, Sega Genesis, which would be Toy Story. But I remember having Toy Story 2, Buzz Lightyear to the Rescue, on the computer this was a follow-up to the toy story uh, of course toy story 2 being the sequel movie uh this was the video game uh sequel to they had the original one for toy story and this was where you were following as buzz lightyear the first game you mostly played as woody this one you played as buzz and it was fun because it was following the major events of toy story 2 uh there was a whole bunch of levels of actually being in andy's room and escaping to the neighborhood then taking the neighborhood, trying to get to Al's Toy Barn. There was all this stuff in Al's Toy Barn. It was huge. I mean, it was a huge, huge level with a lot of things to it. And then eventually you'd make your way to the penthouse. And, you know, obviously Zerg showed up. And then actually ending at the airport with the airport sequence. So, uh, and of all that right there, if that is a spoiler for you for Toy Story 2, I don't know where you've been at this point. Uh, we say that a lot on this podcast, but there's just movies we feel everyone should have seen by now. But it was a very fun game, and it definitely was a little more advanced than, you know, Toy Story, the original game, was a side-scroller. This was much more 3D in nature. You could go all over the place. And it was fun because Buzz would actually have a way to use, like, his jetpack. You'd have, like, a certain amount that you could fly, and then, you know, you'd have to, like, save up and charge and then do it again. 
And it was just a fun, like what you go through and you'd, you'd fight things, you'd find tokens. There was just a whole bunch of stuff to do. And I remember visually enjoying that game, especially the highlight of the game was Al's Toy Barn. It was just this huge, huge map with a lot of stuff going on and so much things to do. And it was like very exciting. It was like a fun, fun game following the events of the movies. I always remember playing Toy Story 2, Buzz Lightyear to the rescue. I want to take you back to the original Toy Story in a different game, which was part of a big series at the, you know, the height of the 90s. You know, Disney was doing this big thing about, you know, making video games for uh, their movies, and they had this thing called the Disney Animated Storybooks. Now, you notice a lot of my games are point-click adventures because I was lazy, uh, even in my gaming. But, uh, no, it was really great because they had all the, all the movies. They created these point-click adventures. So they had 101 Dalmatians. Um, they had... Um, uh, so many different ones, uh, Pocahontas, Lion King, but my favorite one had to have been Toy Story and anim uh, the animated storybook because this one, first of all, this was one of the first big games that they decided to advertise on commercials. They didn't really advertise video games and they actually created stuff that wasn't part of the game. This was like, you know, a kind of fun fact about this, uh, reading this up about this game was they created stuff that wasn't part of the game just to advertise for it. And I still remember those commercials, but the thing about the animated storybook is basically you're reading a book and all the scenes are like interacting, like the, the characters are kind of like doing a scene, but it was just so much fun. Like this, you would, it would read this little bit of the scene, like in a story and you could like I think it was it was made for four to eight. And I remember when this came out, it was 1994. So I was still pretty young. And I remember playing up until I was eight years old. But the it was a great blend of not only for the kids, but the humor. Because it would, you could read the story, it could highlight the words for you. But also what was great is after I read the story, you could go on to the next uh, page or the chapter. Or you could click around at different things to see what they would do. And some, I still remember some of the humor and stuff. I remember there was uh, like the senior at the pizza planet and they're like, oh, you know, whatever happened there. And I remember there was like, click on this little thing and then Buzz like looks over at this video game and he's like, oh my God, he's tearing that man's heart out. Oh, you live on a sad, strange little world, Sheriff. Like it was just like really goofy stuff. And I remember there was like, you click on this disco ball, all of a sudden Buzz starts dancing. And I'm just like, as a oh kid, this is, this is hilarious. Cause it was like, it was made for adults and kids. Like I was like, I still can remember some of the, 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 the jokes. And I was like, this was very, it was very meta, um, for the time. I mean, again, this is like the height of games, but I remember the animated storybook games were for Disney were, were some of the best, but Toy Story was my favorite. That sounds like a lot of fun. I'm gonna have to find, I'm gonna find the YouTube clips and show you. <laughs> I'm sure that's the thing is a lot of these still live on, uh, through YouTube clips and people doing YouTube compilations of old games. Well, one I have to bring up because it was always something that was very interesting to play. I never beat this game. I never got really that far into the game because it was confusing and it was complicated, especially at the age that I played it. But if you've ever heard of the game series Myst, uh, which was developed by Robin and Rand Miller, there's been a few sequels, but the original came out in like 1993, 1994. I remember having this game at home. And this whole game was that you, there was, you were not, you didn't fight anyone. Uh, there was no like, you know, it's not like typical video games. This was all exploration. You were alone on this major island called Mist, And you basically had to go around and look for clues, look for relics, look for books, look for all kinds of things. And it was like a click and point to go around. And you were just exploring and trying to find answers to things. And eventually you had to, 
find these four different levels you'd go through to find more things to kind of eventually finish this game. It was a very, like, it felt like you were in some fantasy version of Lost. Like, it was just, like, on this weird island, there's all these, like, bridges. It's a little bit futuristic, but also very uh, old school at the same time. Kind of has a, a pirate adventure feel to it. Um, but it was just, it was very interesting. And I'm sure if you, you can look at videos now. But I just remember, you know, you kind of go forward and it's just all, you're making choices and you're trying to read through these clues and trying to go around and discover things and open doors and open chests and open all this kind of stuff. And it was just a bizarre, weird game because again, you're the only person on this island. There's no, there's no enemies to fight. You're not trying to like run from something. It's not like a horror game. It just purely was a very fantasy explore um, kind of adventure puzzle game, if you will. Um, one I've always wanted to go back and play as an adult and see how I would handle it now. And I think there's been two or three sequels uh, to follow up Myst, but, and that's Myst with M-Y-S-T. Oh, oh. look out. So uh, I had to bring up Mister because I always remember that one from my youth. Now, this uh, next one I'm going to come up with is, again, it's, it's part of a series, but again, probably one of the last on my list of the point and click kind of adventures. Um, this one, again, I was hugely into the series. Um, I think not really necessarily the hype, but like during when it was really coming into its own was in the early 2000s was, of course, the CSI games. And I remember the first one I got was back in 2003. And basically you had a you had a series of crimes that you um, had to solve and you had to not only look for clues at the crime scene, like you had to click and do stuff. You had to like also spray for like, you know, uh, blood or look for like DNA. There's also the the amount you'd had to like interrogate people. You had to ask the right questions. If you didn't ask the right questions, well, then they lawyered up. You can't. So it was really cool. Like it was like a game that really I'd had to do my deductive reasoning. And I and I would spawn a lot of other games like what we have today, LA Noir, like some of these games we really had to do. And I I I love being kind of the CSI, the detective, like figure out, okay, who did this? Hmm. And so it was and they had all the cast from the the show. Uh, doing the characters so that that was kind of really cool like for me anything that has to do with a movie property if it's a decent game i'm all for it and i will at least give it a chance but the csi games are great and also law and order would do this later on um where you could you know again have to do the investigative process to kind of solve the crimes that does sound like a lot of fun because well definitely huge now in the detective stuff and, mm -hmm. and oh, detective stuff. oh detective lucifer season six next year hopefully um well next i gotta bring up one that i literally have still played uh till fairly recently than the last uh, i'd say maybe the last three four years was the last time i played this game because it still was at my grandparents house there was a game I used to play called croc legend of the gobos <laughs> uh and this was very similar to like a spyro or a crash bandicoot type game where you played in this kind of fantasy world, kind of a little like Donkey Kong, Mario, kind of in that same vein as well. You played as this this croc, this little crocodile uh, would walk on two legs. And you go through these different levels where there would be different enemies. And you could do like a tailspin uh, move or you could like jump and kind of like, you know, do like a slam move. And you'd be going through and trying to save these little gobos. It looked like little furry meatballs kind of thing, if you will. Like they're like little like fur things with eyes and they're like really cute. And there'd be like bosses, you know, you get to the top of like a certain level, play certain, through, and there'd always be like a boss at the end of each, you know, kind of like a typical Mario Donkey Kong situation. But just, I remember being really fun and very creative. It was a very fun fantasy game 
on the computer and you know you only had so many moves but you could jump um you could climb ladders you could go across kind of monkey bar things and there'd be of course uh dangerous terrain with different enemies there would be lava there'd be ice uh there'd be sand all this kind of stuff and there'd be fun things where like you could collect gems in each level and if you collect all five colored gems at the end of a level there'd be like a secret room to go get some more like things to get you more lives and stuff so it was a fun like I don't know if there was a, there might've been a sequel made, um, but it always reminded me of something like a Spyro type game where you're playing as this animal going through. And it was just a lot of fun. And I remember like it had, it had some humor to it, especially with like the, the little cut scenes when you'd see a villain or like the next level, or even if you, you would die and, you know, respawn kind of thing. So, uh, and that's one I still, it still worked on my grandparents' uh, computer <laughs> couple years ago so i remember one day being up. there for a family event and i was i was in the back playing croc legend of the gob the gobos 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 <laughs> what do you call them gobos um well this one again a still series that's continuing today um i was a huge fan of the sid meyer's civilization series and uh, my first iteration in our introduction to that was Civilization 3. Now, these were like real-time strategy games where you basically had to, you could pick any of these great, uh, well, or maybe not great, but these big well-known like world leaders of all time. And you would basically start your own civilization and watch as you would go from the bronze, you know, the, the silver, all these different ages and progress, you know, to modern day technology and to potentially the future. But it was a real time th thing where you had to really kind of figure out, OK, um, I'm going to build my city here. I'm, am I going to focus on crops? I'm going to focus on science. So it was really kind of cool because you had to like and then people are coming at war and taking me and I wanted to take over the whole map. And so it, there never was the same um and twice and i think it, it definitely was one of those games where i would lose countless hours to like three hours of real time was like you know 36 uh you know 36 years their time so it was just really kind of crazy you know so you, you were doing um all these things about just building you know hence the titles your civilization so it was really fun to you know are you going to have good relations with you know the babylonians uh which i don't know how they existed you know thousands of years later so it's kind of funny like you know are you going to be gandhi you're going to be hell out of troy are you going to be uh, abraham lincoln i mean there was different ver variations you could play uh and it was just kind of funny um becoming this world leader and creating this uh, literal you know civilization and, and and doing you know what are you going to focus on how are you going to build your empire and it was just you know kind of fun and there was a lot more games that this would kind of go into like age of empire and all that but i remember the civilization games and i actually got the most recent one on the switch although i played it for five minutes and uh, i was like i have other things to do so uh but i do remember those games were so much fun and i've never played any of those games and i've always wondered if i would like them or not because I, I do like would. a little I'm gonna, bit of I'm gonna that send you, conquest history i'm gonna send you the, yeah, the four try one. it out yeah well, one I had to bring up on my list, it's uh, it ranks as second, like literally now I'm getting to two of my actual favorite PC games of all time um, and kind of up there with like best games of all time, period. But one I had to mention here because it was such a, a big part of my youth. I remember getting this pack that had the first game, the second game and expansion pack all in one. And then eventually we got the third game and now we're waiting for the fourth game of this. But I had to bring up Diablo 2 by Blizzard oh. Entertainment. Um, I never got into World of Warcraft. I was not a spacecraft guy. Um, I was not any of those games, but I was uh, a big fan of Diablo 2. I tried Diablo every now and then because I got this pack that included 
it was the first game, the second game, and then the expansion pack. But I just, I didn't get very far in Diablo. I wasn't really as enjoying it. It kind of reminds me in a way of nowadays, like I love the game Bloodborne. It's one of my favorite games of all time for the PS4. I've tried Dark Souls Remastered, although I've gone decently far in that game. It's just so different because of how slow it is and it's not as good as graphics. Diablo 2 was such an exciting game. It had five acts. Uh, it had the online play, the item tree, um, all this kind of stuff. I love the classes. You had the Amazon, Necromancer, Barbarian, Sorceress, Paladin. And then with the expansion, you got the Druid and the Assassin. I love playing as a Druid usually the most because I love some of his powers where you could um, like have a wolf or a bear or like you would have all these animals that could like help you fight off the hordes of, uh, you know, different creatures and demons and skeletons and stuff. But it was a great story. And Blizzard's always been a company that has had really, really good cinematics when it comes to their games. And Diablo 2 was like, for that time, it was like outstanding, top-notch movie quality already. And they've just gotten better as time's gone on. But I remember this game was so fun because it was, you know, working your way to get to Diablo, of course, the main villain of the series. And you actually had to fight um, the brothers Mephisto and then eventually with the expansion Bale. And it was just it was the great thing about Diablo 2 was the map always changed no matter what how many times you played it. So it although there was all the same typical, uh, you know, different enemies in the certain area. They would the map would change. It would not be the same every time. Uh, where a town might be one time, the next time you play it, it might be on the opposite side of the map for this level. And of course, looking for the tougher enemies, you know, extra bosses, trying to really get more better gear, better weapons, uh, potions, and this game has so much to it, uh, you know, as an RPG that it's just it's like outstanding. And for a lot of people, Diablo Two still holds up as the best of the bunch. Eventually, I would buy Diablo 3 when it came out uh, for the computer. Played it all on my laptop, uh, my Mac, and I did enjoy that game. And eventually, I've played it now on the PS4 as well. It just, it, it, the replay value for Diablo 3 is not anywhere near for Diablo 2 because Diablo 3, it is the same map every time, it is the same, you know, minus you playing as a different class. Um, it's not as much of replay value where Diablo 2 was, was very interesting to play. And it was always fun to play online. Cause you know, I could go, I remember, you know, going after school, middle school, or maybe early high school, go to a friend's house. Um, we'd have a few computers and, you know, we could play and you'd go on missions together and, you know, trying to loot up and all that stuff. And I just, I love the story element of Diablo. I think World of Warcraft, although it always sounded interesting to me, um, and I do like that fantasy element, this being a little more of the uh, demonic, a little more of the barbaric kind of, uh, I guess you could say, um, uh, gothic, you know, a lot of that nature to this, which I eventually would lead me to like games like Bloodborne and stuff. And I just remember it always being uh, iconic. And I'm very excited because Diablo 2 is being re-released uh, this year with better graphics uh coming up and i believe it's, it's gonna be on you know pc but also the consoles so i'm excited to get diablo 2 again i don't know if i'm gonna buy it for the, the computer or if i'll just buy it for the ps4 but i'm excited to go back and get to replay that game with some better graphics because it's one of the best of all time no that's awesome 
Well, here, kind of wrapping on my list here. Um, this was an interesting uh, game. Probably one of the one of the only games where there's not really an objective, and the game could definitely go on forever if you wanted it to. And that'd be, of course, uh, the original game, The Sims. Uh, the, <laughs> I had to get this in my list again. This was one of my one of the games that kind of defined future games of my life, but uh, the strategy, strategic life simulation game where you created a character, a sim, and you had to help them go through life. Uh, and it was just, it was such an interesting, you know, game where you had to build, um, you know, build their house, get them a career and, and how they interacted. But there was no real like objective to the game. It was just like, you just keep, you know, living life. So it was like, again, this is the precursor of us. Like, okay, we have our own lives. We're living through these simulated character Sims. And it was just, and just like, I remember like when you had to help their charisma, like talk in the window and they would make this weird like language up. And I remember like, if they were like getting busy with other Sims, it was all like, it was all like uh mosaic out. Like, Ooh, Hey, don't, don't look at that. Uh, but it was just like some of the stuff you could do with your characters. It was just kind of funny. Like, and it was just, it was a, a bit of a sandbox game, but a very small sandbox. And uh, I just remember, you know, it was more like a toy than an actual game. Because you really, you weren't, you weren't like, again, the characters could die if you don't feed them and stuff like that. But it was just kind of a, it was like really just, I just so fun. And I, I would get like the second and third one, but then I never really kind of, really got into them after that. I know that they've had about four of them in expansion packs uh, with more, but yeah, Sims was definitely probably one of the, the last big games I remember playing on PC um, in my youth. Well, my all-time favorite to finish off our PC game chat here, uh, one that I've always wished would have had a revamp or a remake um, or even a follow-up or sequel of some kind, but unfortunately kind of I guess it didn't do super well when it first came out and uh, you know, eventually we get other Western games that have taken over. And so Red Dead uh, really being like probably the best known version now, but there was a game I used to love called Outlaws uh, also by LucasArts uh, on the PC. And this game was about a, a, a retired U.S. Marshal named James Anderson. And in the opening cinematic, if you play the, uh, the main story, um, he goes off to town to grab some stuff, comes back to his house, and um, he sees that his house has been ransacked, his wife has been left for dead, and his daughter has been kidnapped. And so you are this retired U.S. Marshal, and you can tell that this is a guy that uh, meant business. This guy was very good with weapons. This guy uh, kind of has no shame at uh, killing. And so this was a, it was a revenge story. It was a story where you go through... I want to say like maybe 10 levels, maybe more. And then there was also a whole bunch of side missions you could do that were um, separate from the main story. And you would go through, you know, different areas. You'd go through, uh, you know, the kind of the, the famous Western town with the saloons and stuff. You'd go through the mountains. You'd go on. Uh, there was a whole level that was like a train sequence. There was a level where you're, you're going through the old mill. Like there was so many cool levels and it also had, an amazing soundtrack that actually I believe I downloaded at some point. And the cool thing was you would go through and like, you would have to collect ammo. You would have uh, various weapons from, you know, just a pistol to revolver to a shotgun, a sawed off shotgun, double shotgun rifle. You could have things like a knife dynamite, um, even at one point a Gatling gun. I mean, oh, like nice. you would have different weapons based on what you collect, but of course you'd have to, um, 
collect ammo throughout each level. And of course, it'd come down to like you kill some of the minions running around. You know, there's always these, uh, you know, the kind of uh, <laughs> the people who go through like the the evil cowboys, I guess you could say. Um, and you would uh, the bad guys, and you'd um, round up ammo from them, and you know, get health. And it was a very creative game in that you you could play. Um, you could play where you could see your hand on the gun or just the gun itself. I usually play with just the gun itself. Uh, but it was a very visually just stunning game. Not, you know, not by any means anything graphically amazing at the time. This is 1997 we're talking about. But just the scale, the storytelling, each level had a different kind of boss. And each boss was like a wanted poster person. And when you would kill them, you'd see like the wanted poster say like dead or something, you know. And and it was a fun like because you went through your working your way up to the big bad boss in the big city that has your daughter. And, oh, I just love that game so much. I play it so much. And I know that you can find, you can find mods of it now. And it was cool. It had a cinematic after each level. There was even fun, like little Easter eggs. Like, I don't know what LucasArts did before that had this little character of this bunny, but you could find this bunny sometimes. And there was even like at one point a level where you went to a certain room, you'd actually see an alien uh, kind of weird stuff like that sometimes. But I love that it was, there was hidden areas where you could find things and it was just a cool, like you kind of had to be sneaky and, and, you know, obviously if they, if they recognize you, they come after you, but there'd be literally in every level, there'd be tons of bad guys in every. And so it's you literally going and cleaning house <laughs> to oh, find wow. the main boss. And then once you kill the boss, then the cinematic happens and you go to the next town. So I love the game so much. I'm still trying to find a way for it to play it nowadays, but I wish it would be remade, but we have had the Red Dead uh, success. So there has been uh, plenty of love in terms of like Western games since, but it was always one that I thought was, was outstanding. But, you know, Taylor, we've been talking about all these PC games we loved as a kid, but just naturally you and I have moved on to the console. And I think, you know, first and foremost, something I think the consoles just have done for us that maybe um, I understand those who really are, you know, diehard fans of sticking to the PC, playing on computer. For me, first and foremost, it's just so much easier to play with the controller as opposed to figuring out all the keyboard buttons and a mouse at the same time. That got very old for me uh, for a lot of games because sometimes it was a lot of work because sometimes you had to press so many different buttons. You to basically had like run across the room to press the other button. I felt like it. <laughs> yeah. It just felt like it was a lot of work uh, overall. Whereas with the controller, you get so used to, okay, I have it in my hands. You know, I have the, where I'm walking. This is my action button, my shooting button, my block button. You just get so used to that. And I think, you know, even though computer games were something that we loved when we were kids, you know, around the same time, we then started getting, you know, the Nintendo system or, or Sega Genesis, and then moving on to uh, PlayStation 2 and getting a GameCube. And then, you know, as you just start to really keep going with that, and a lot of games have come out for consoles that are also made for PC. But at that point, it's like, I'm not going to see what the experience is like on a PC if I'm getting God of War on the PS4. You know, it's like, I'm yeah, not fine. I think what uh, PC gaming is now and has been more successful is a lot of the online stuff, a, a little bit more so um, on a little bit smaller scale. I think the ones where graphically um, console games have 
become far superior than sometimes what can, computers can do. And again, I just have horrible memories of having to load and how long it took to install games. You think, you know, kids today, oh, it takes long for, for a game system. No, no. The installations for a computer game, you had to like almost, re- you had to delete things for one game. <laughs> so it was, it was, yeah. And it was dial up, dial up internet speed to do yeah, it. And it was exactly. Take so, so if you, you want to play that game, you only had five minutes. By the time it loaded up, <laughs> and of course, if a if a CD got scratched or something went wrong, you have to undo it and then do it again. I mean, you know, things that you can't have problems with with consoles as well, but just such a pain in the butt sometimes. But you know, I don't I don't regret the games that I used to have on on PC, and I enjoyed the times that I have played. And there's something that I think is a different experience to playing on a console. But I think just you and I. We've grown into consoles now. The Switch has made it so easy to play on the go, um, which is a great thing. And, you know, the PS4 moving into the PS5 now, just graphically on these TVs nowadays, that's the thing too, is unless you're going to have a big computer monitor, you're kind of stuck to whatever size computer you have. Whereas, you know, we're playing games now on these 60-inch TVs that are like high high def 4K. It's like, mm-hmm, yeah. uh, well, I'm going to go with yeah. that instead. Well, and that's that's the thing. I have my my youngest brother. He's a big computer guy. And he has, he's been a PC gamer for a long time. But he's got the dual monitors. He's got all this stuff. You've got to like have the equipment for it. Where I think it's, it is, again, more accessible. It's almost cheaper getting a TV game system. Boom. You don't have to make these modifications. You know, TVs, you don't have to keep updating like things. So... You know, things like that. But I, um, yeah, going back to our origins of PC, it was nice doing that memory lane because I do remember the frustrations, but also the the fun times uh, of playing some of these games. And some of these games I never beat, I never will, but it, uh, and also some of these games that were just uh, education and a little bit of a teaching disguised in pretty colors and a, and a fun storyline. So I, I think that was kind of interesting as well, where, not many console games we have today actually teach you something. So I think <laughs> it's a little bit more mindless entertainment as we've gone along. But um, yeah, we really, I really enjoyed doing this. I don't know about you, Chris, but uh, yeah, for those of you uh, who grew up like us on PC games, you know, what were your favorite games? Tell us about uh, what you guys liked. I want to, I want to hear it. Uh, what was a game that, do you remember getting that big, you know, tray of Star Wars games that only five of them worked uh, out of 16? Uh, you know, what, what did you remember from your youth? Tell us, tell us more to put on the social, put it, you know, shout it out. Want to hear, and are you still a PC gamer? We want to hear. Yeah. Cause I'm sure there's still a lot that are, and you know, maybe down the line, there'll be games that come out that uh, might be worth checking out on the PC. Uh, just because you know, it could be a different experience. So, but thanks for listening today. We really enjoyed having a little, uh, throwback to the past and we'll catch you guys in August. Can't believe it's going to be August next week, but uh, stay tuned till next week. And we'll be back here on the Potential Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the Potential Podcast or on Twitter at the Potential Pod. Or you can email us. Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email. The Potential Podcast at Yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know, know your, your potential. potential.